0: Hey guys, welcome back to a special episode of The Klein Files. Today you're going to hear a live Facebook video between Philip and the public that he did regarding um, the Thomas Brown case and addressing specific things that were aired on Texas Monthly's uh, episode 9, as well as the ID Network's um, Friday under or murder under the Friday Night Lights uh, regarding Thomas Brown.
1: I know there's people that will come in and that will come out, and, and we appreciate that, and we appreciate everybody taking time off their morning this morning to uh, to uh, watch us. Um, uh, my name is Philip Klein, and I am the uh, senior and lead investigator in the Thomas Brown case on the civil side. I'm not law enforcement. I am not a law enforcement officer, nor do I play one on TV. Um, I want to open up this morning with apologizing to you if my voice is a little uh, <coughs> how we say modulated, and I do have a cough. I've been in bed for about the oh, what last two weeks, and uh, um, I'm I've, I've, uh, I'm on the mend on this. Um, whatever you want to call it, the Omicron or whatever it was. And doctors say I didn't have it, but they said I did have a severe case of bronchitis. and um, it's, I'm having a little bit of difficulty bringing air in and out. So just deal with me today, and I'm sure as I go through this, my lungs will clear up after I get a couple of good coughing seizures okay. in. Um, today, I wanted to address the public. Um, there have been two... Uh, media reports that have come out in the last uh, week, uh, one being by um, Skip Hollingsworth in the Texas Monthly, in what he is calling issue number nine of the Thomas Brown case, or chapter nine. And then there was another one on Discovery ID that we fully cooperated with uh, because we wanted to um, we wanted we wanted to get let an independent news source, which I've done work with uh, Discover ID for eight years, 10 years, however long they've been open. You now in other cases around the United States that we've been, participated in both as consulting and both as investigators. Um, so what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to um, kind of discuss some of the points that are of uh, distress um, with us, that are either wrong, flat out just lies conjured up by the media, or they are people that have injected things into the case that is not only wrong, but misleading. And third, stuff that's been left out. Now, as you know, let's give a little time sequence. This past October, um, we went to Canadian Texas to give a town hall. The reason for the town hall is not to show up law enforcement or not to blame anybody Or not to jump on the media, which I fully admit I did. I jumped on Chris Samples pretty hard. uh, And I apologize publicly to Chris Samples for that. But I wanted to make sure that the citizens understood that, A, the case is still fluid. B, we're still working on it. And C, politics has now been introduced into the case. I want to explain to them where it came from. They got a good taste of it as when we announced that we were going to do the town hall, the first thing that happened was that we learned at 10 o'clock the night before our town hall as we were in our meeting preparing that Attorney General Ken Paxton of Texas was going to come out with a statement with the district attorney Uh, in North Texas, regarding Tom's case. This is after the AG's office refused to give any statements, refused to talk about the case, refused to discuss the case, uh, and uh, actually put up a stone wall between themselves and the general public. Why they did that, we're still befuddled. We don't know why, other than to make a sincere attempt to discredit us. It's unheard of. I've, I have been doing this job for a sole proprietor for 37 years. I've been an investigator since 1982 when I got out of college. It was shocking to me that they would do that. But what was even more shocking is the follow-ups that they all of a sudden decided that, well, we're going to go in front of the public. And they did. They went on Discovery ID and they interviewed with Skip Hollingsworth, to which Rachel Kading and myself, without getting into private conversations, she had said that they don't do that, they're not going to do that, they're not going to do any interviews, but yet they did, and they came out and they said some pretty strange stuff, stuff that they hadn't told us that we have had an open relationship with Rachel Kading and Chris Smythe. Let me, let me say this from the beginning, and I want, I want because I, there's a lot of anti-police sentiment out there. These are two of the finest law enforcement officers that I've had the honor of meeting and working with. I think, they're, I think they're one of the, two of the best. I think they are above and broad, care about this case. And I think that they've been stuck in the political middle by their lawyers that work up at the AG's office and possibly by Mr. Paxton himself, but we'll discuss that here in a minute. Um what i'm going to say today is going to be very controversial for uh, a person in my industry i uh, i have built this company up to be one of the top five investigative companies in the state of texas we service about 1400 cases a year we are pretty well known through the united states we have been attempted by Small city police departments to try to stop us, they can't. We have worked with every federal law enforcement agency out there, including Interpol, in bringing missing and kidnapped children home, as well missing and kidnapped adults home. We, we know pretty much everybody in the industry. We know most of the U.S. attorneys, now that they're turning over, we don't know as many, but we know a lot of the U.S. attorneys and we've had an active working relationship in Washington, DC with NETMEC uh, and with um, many of the agencies in the Department of Defense, some you know about, some you don't know about, that we assist in bringing children home. One of the credos around this company is some of our best work can never be told. Um, we, we don't like to go carry the flag and say, look what we did, look what we did. We don't like to do that. In fact, a lot of the times we don't like to come out of our shells and and talk to the media unless we're trying to further a portion of the case that we have come up against a brick wall that we need your help as citizens because we can't do our jobs without the citizens. We can't do our jobs without witnesses. We can't do our jobs without the people of the United States of America, the good citizens, helping us, and that includes some convicts, some inmates, that includes a lot of folks that know things, hear things, and say things. Once you say it to us, we can run it, and we can work the case in a better manner. There are two books of criminal and civil practice. It's Texas Code of Criminal Procedure, the Texas Code of Civil Procedure. Law enforcement does sometimes come over on our side of the fence in the Civil Code. And we quite often come over the fence in the Criminal Code. It's just the way it is. Because a person raises his right hand and swears under oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States does not make him any better than we are we too raise our hand and we swear under oath. Because they have a badge and a gun does not mean they're any better than we are. Are there bad private investigators? Yes, there are some very, very unprofessional bad private investigators. But they represent less than 2% of our industry. Police officers, again, I'm not here to bash police. They have a hard job. I respect them. We support them in the 100 Club everywhere around the United States. If an officer is hurt or passes, we're one of the first people to step up and give a donation. And we're one of the first people that stand up and try to help families. Most of our work is done behind the scenes because we're not there to get, again, to be the flag waver or the person that's trying to get PR out of a bad situation. We don't do that, that's not us. Never has been, never will be. That's what I built this company when I opened the doors in 1992. This is what I opened the doors to this company in the attempt to do, which is do good work for the public because they do pay us lots of money and to assist our law enforcement friends. We have a tremendous amount of friends in law enforcement. Um, I was speaking to one of the police chiefs after Discovery's production the other night. And his first words out of his mouth was, oh, my God, this makes law enforcement look horrible. And I told him, I said, don't, don't worry about that. It's, it's the minority of the majority. The majority of the officers out there, and I know some of them are my very close friends, both on the federal, state, and international level that are watching this right now that I want to make sure that my comments today that I say, because they are going to be pretty tough. The comments I say today has no reflection on the day to day operation of law enforcement around the United States. This is one picture of one glimpse in time in the United States of America. It's Canadian, Texas. So with all that preamble, let's get started. I was not shocked. I was not disheartened. But when Texas Monthly and Skip Hollingsworth first approached me about doing the interviews, I had um, a second thought first thought was, well, this would be good for the Brown case. Then I thought, no, things like this have a tendency to get out of control real quick. And quite frankly, I was right. It got out of control very quick. Skip Hollingsworth opened the podcast that he's done, as well as He's opened the Discovery ID channel, and I'm paraphrasing here, saying Phil Klein drives up in his big black suburban saying I'm here to solve the Tom Brown case to the sheriff of the county. I assure you, the public, number one, this company or myself personally, does not own a black suburban. Never have, never will. Second, I'm here to solve the Tom Brown case. I never said that, never would say that. And I know there's law enforcement officers that were sitting in on the first meeting with the sheriff that will back me up on that. I came in, I introduced myself, and let me add a little flavor here. Three days after Tom was missing, I was on the ground in Hemphill, Texas. Hemphill County, Texas, excuse me. When I came in in Hemphill County, Texas, the first words out of my mouth to any law enforcement, no matter if it's the Brown case or any case that we consult on with law enforcement, both on the federal and state and local side, Or, for that matter, any law enforcement officer that's asked us to say, hey, could you take a look at this? What's your thought? Or to any family that hires us when we first work with law enforcement. The first words out of my mouth are, we're here to do a shadow investigation. I don't want to get in your way. If you see us get in your way. Please tell us, and we will stop what we're doing immediately. You guys are the lead. We're just the guys doing the the crumbles behind the scenes. And quite frankly, they know. We're going to go back through, and if something's found, we're going to research it as well. We believe in this firm, in this. We believe in law enforcement, and we believe in private security board. We're going to call that PSB, doing this, working together as a team to solve a crime, working together to, to find someone, working together to, to further the laws of the state of Texas, the federal government, and whatever country we may be in at the time. Skip Hollingsworth's statements were false, they were misleading, and quite frankly, and and, and I attempted to convey this to Mr. Hollingsworth before the town hall meeting, they're, they're disingenuous, frankly disingenuous. I never marched into a town waving a flag saying I'm going to solve the Tom Brown case. I can't do that. I don't know if I'm going to solve it or not one day at a time. But why would the media do that, you may ask? We all know they gotta sell advertising and they have to sell their product. Pumping up the story a little bit helps them do that. Have I complained to Texas Monthly and am I going to? No. Am I going to complain to Discovery ID, which is NBC? Excuse me, NBC. No. Just going to let it go. But I'm telling you, the public, when you hear that, you've got to roll your eyes and go, here comes the media again. The media is self-destructing themselves. Me, I don't care what Skip Hollingsworth says about me. Texas Monthly will be... Pages on the bottom of a birdcage probably in two, three, four, five weeks in the average home around the city. But now we have a thing called the internet. (coughs) And with the internet, everything is archived and stored. It's easy for an internet hacker, stalker, to which I have been a victim of, to pick that up. And use that and support, not, hey, I didn't say this. Skip Hollingsworth said this. I don't think people like Skip Hollingsworth, and I don't think people at Discovery ID really understand that. They think it sells, but they don't really look at the human side. I'm an investigator. I'm 62 years old. I've been doing it 37 years. I've built a track record that I'm probably one of the top five in Texas. I'll never say I'm number one because you're only as good as your next case. I believe Skip Hollingsworth, the Texas Monthly, and Discovery ID owe not me, but this firm an apology for how they misled the public. Our team does not act like that. We're professional investigators. We've been doing it for years. I want to talk about, first, the interior of the case that was featured, again, on both of these shows, which is the investigative book. Now, some of you that don't know, we create a thing called the book. The book starts when we get the phone call. The book starts on our side when we get permission to investigate by the people that hire us. They sign, they say, thank you, we want you, these are the rules, I'm gonna follow the rules, here's your retainer signature. First thing in our investigative book. In the investigative book for the law enforcement is the initial call, the dispatch, the time in, time out, everything there is to do with being a police officer. The system doesn't start until someone dials nine one one. That starts the book. When I first came to Canadian Texas, um, I buzzed at the front door, and I and, and the again the initial was hi, I'm Philip Klein. Um, I've been retained by the Brown family. Uh, is the sheriff or the lead investigator involved? I just wanted to stick my head in the door and. Shake, my, shake your hand and say hello. <coughs> Within two minutes of me doing that, the door opened and there is Brick Clapp, who, by the way, I'm gonna say this about a hundred times during this thing, maybe one of the finest law enforcement officers I've met, and the former sheriff, Nathan Lewis. They invited me in. I came in, we sat down, Nathan had to excuse himself to go pick up his children from school. He came back to the office with his children. And Nathan and I had the opportunity to sit in his office by ourselves very quietly. And I said exactly what I've just said to you folks out there. Hi, my name is Philip Klein. I do shadow investigation. Anything gets messed up, you know, maybe we can help. Maybe we can help you move this case forward. I don't know, but I'm here in town and I'll be getting tonight to do interviewing all of them. I had two pages, three pages of witnesses. Excuse me. <coughs> I apologize. I'll be drinking some water too. Um, he said, fine, great. Glad to have you along. Tom's a runaway. But Tom's a runaway. He said, yeah, Tom's a runaway. Where'd he run to? We think he's out in North Carolina, and we think he's out in Los Angeles, California. One of those two. We think he ran away to be an MMA fighter. Now, remember, I don't know anybody. I don't know anything about this case. But I got a law enforcement guy, and I'm looking at this guy, and he's very sharply dressed. His office was immaculate. He had a beautiful group of children with him. And I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, this guy looks like he's got it going on. His patrol units are clean. When I drove up, they're all clean. They're spiffied. No, the, it, it, the lawn's manicured. It's not like some jails and city halls I've seen around the United States. So I'm impressed. I'm thinking to myself, hey, we're good. <coughs> this is going to be a good experience. We're going to get to the bottom of this. I said, okay, Sheriff. Brent walked in. He said, he said well, go across the hall with Brent. Brent will show you what we got. And if you get anything, you know, please let us know. Absolutely, Sheriff. Absolutely. That was my first interaction with the Sheriff of Hempel County. I go across the hall. Brent says, well, here's the witnesses we've interviewed. Here's the statements they've put down. On paper. Here's some photography and that was the first chapter I opened was photography. First thing I see is a picture of Tom's car at the top of a small hill at a gas station called Franck's. I said what's this one? He said well this apparently was taken when he was pumping gas right before he disappeared. Wow, bingo, okay, cool. Not questioning that it would ever disappear. I said, well, you're going to keep this, huh? And he laughed. He said, absolutely. I said, okay. He said, we also have some Dollar General video. Uh, Can't seem to find that, but, you know, we probably need to peruse it one hour before one hour after. Bring clap again, a great law enforcement officer. You're right, Brent. We we need to do that. So that's what starts this whole thing off. There was no acrimonious relationship in the beginning, as the media would like to portray it. It only got acrimonious, I'd say five, six weeks later. Nobody talked about that missing photo in the Discovery ID. It's huge. Nobody discussed the video in Discovery ID. It's huge. What could we have seen in the background, both before and after Tom Brown's situation? You have to ask yourself that it disappears. According to the sheriff and according to his statement to T. Cole, which is the Texas Commission on Law Enforcement Standards, who caught him tearing up documents, changing documents under the skies of training records until you read into the T. Cole report, which you can get online, does it say, oh, and by the way, the sheriff destroyed, destroyed and replaced documents in the Tom Brown case. Now, if that doesn't bother you, you have something else coming. It should bother you deep to your core that a law enforcement officer would go in Destroy documents and then plant fake ones. Let me say that again. Destroy documents and plant fake ones. But nobody wants to talk about that. Not the Texas Attorney General's office. Not T. Cole. Not anybody. Our question is, is why? That is imperative that it be discussed on the criminal district attorney level at least but they haven't they swept it under the rug why i don't know i've asked the question and i get blank stares keep that in mind as we go through for the next few minutes this presentation Which, even to this day, and I I don't want to pump us up, but we have over 140 years of investigatorial experience in this office. You're hiring, when you hire us, one of the best and most educated and hardworking teams I want to say in the United States, but I don't know because I don't know a lot of the other big agencies. I just know me. I keep in my little shell. When we came up, the first thing I asked for was, well, where was Tom's car that he was in that night? And Penny and Chris Meek told me, it's in our garage. I told them, keep it there, I'll get to it. Just keep it there, don't let anybody touch it. I'll get to it. I got on the phone, walked out on the driveway, got on the phone and called Trace Sargent, who is maybe one of the best dog handlers in the United States of America. Don't trust my thought process on it. Trust FBI, Secret Service, CIA. Name an acronym. They use her. The state of Georgia, GBI. I could go on. She is the best. She's the best in training, and she's the best in handling. I said, grab MJ Holmes. I need you guys out here. And sure enough, within 10 days, they're there. The first thing I do when I open the door of the car that the sheriff gave back on the first day, there's no forensics done on that car. I don't care who tells you what. The only two true things were the blood on the door and the twenty-five caliber shell casing on the floor. We know those are true because we got the photography of it. Let me say that again. Those are the only two things we know are true because we've got a picture of the blood on the door and we've got a picture of the shell casing on the floor. We have a shell casing over here, and we've got blood over here. Now, I know most of you like to play amateur detectives out there, and I think it's great because you know what? Sometimes, (laughs) believe it or not, we do get tips tips from the public, especially in the New York Coons case. Got some really good tips. The media focused in on Tom's charger for his phone. I want you to go back and watch the show. It'll be rebroadcast this week three or four or five times. I want you to go back and I want you to look when they show a picture of the door open and then they come to the point where they show the picture of the door open when Chance is working it and I want you to see what you see on the console. The attorney general's office is all hot to trot about some phone charger that surrounds an iPhone and who had it and where it is. I asked a lot of the, the kids in the, in, the, in the interviews, what about this phone charger? Uh, he wasn't using it that night. He had four phone chargers in his car. Go look at the pictures. There are the phone chargers. How many phone chargers does a boy need? That phone charger was nowhere near that car. The swipe of blood. The swipe of blood was not a little, I cut my pinky and there's a swipe of blood. Go back and look at the measurement of the blood swipe. It was a very large blood swipe. It was a porous blood swipe. The difference between a scratch on the finger and a porous blood site is there was active blood flowing from whatever was bleeding. One other thing they left out, both of them, although I will give Skip credit, he did talk about it. When I found out that the car was not forensically Investigated. I told them again to lock it up. We wrapped it up. Nobody got into it. We did a thing called a luminol test. Law enforcement jumped all over me and said, "Your, long, your luminol test is no good. The way you performed it was no good. The way you your report was no good." And the photos showed paint in the car, not blood. We have a thing here in Texas called peer review. I immediately got all my information together the video of us actually doing the test, and I gave it to one of the highest recommended forensics guys in Texas over in Houston he reviewed it and said you did it by the book that's blood yes there is some paint and I recognize that I said yeah that's paint right there we we pointed it out but he said no sir that's that's blood what did we find we found blood on the I-beam of the door to the floor and what does that indicate Well, you have a 25 caliber gun and it suggests, I'm not saying it's the end all, I'm saying it suggests that someone snuck up behind Tom, put the gun to his head, and probably Tom went, what? And the gun went off. That's what our belief is, the mechanics of this case. Equally, down the road, we did see the Justices of the Peace report that did indicate blunt force trauma on the orbital and the nasal side of his head. And the report says, homicide. Homicide. That's not us. That's the government saying, homicide. That's when I came out on the Chris Sample show and said, we are investigating this as a homicide. It set everything off into a tailspin for that city, which, may I say, It should have happened. No other forensics was ever done to that car by any law enforcement agency. We, the private security investigators, are the only ones that have ever, and I mean ever, done any forensics on that automobile. Other than go through and say, ooh, there's a shell casing. Let's put it in a plastic bag. Ooh, there's some blood. Let's take a picture. Let's take a swab. Is it Tom's blood? Ooh, yeah, it is Tom's blood. But neither one of those shows have ever come out and said client investigations and consulting is the only one that has ever done forensics on that car. We're the only ones. Do I want the credit? I don't care less about the credit. But what they have done is they have come out and tried to disparage what we did. Again, my question to you, the public, is why? 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 Tom's truck is a material part of evidence. So let's talk about Tom's truck. Let's talk about the backpack a little bit. There's been a lot of conjecture on why we, the private security investigators, who had one of the best trainers and dogs in the United States of America, wanted that dog to hit, or to sniff, excuse me, to sniff on that bag. Why did we want that? Well, there was a few reasons. Number one, we wanted to know if any dead bodies had been in that car. As I said in both of the articles, when you die, there is an antigen that is released from your body that dogs can smell and they're trained on. It's called human pathogen, um, the third word, uh, the human pathogen um, death scent, we'll just call it, rather than be real fancy. The reason I wanted the dog to get on the backpack, it's never been mentioned in any articles, it's never been mentioned in any television show, any news report, anything. It's because we knew that Tom kept his backpack in his car. And if somebody had killed Tom out there in working up our timeline and working up our state of events, there's a possibility they could have put him in the back seat on top of the backpack. Therefore, that scent would have been on the backpack. The cops knew that's what we were looking for. We had just sent, sat through a <coughs> two hour long embarrassing, embarrassing uh, meeting with where a Texas Ranger, Mike Smith, sat in his chair and acted like one of the most arrogant cops I've ever met in my entire career, both personally and professionally. He needs retraining. He let this whole case slip through his fingers. He sat there in the initial meeting of all the investigators in the room and just laughed and cackled, made fun of us. It was, it, was, it was ridiculous. It was degrading. I've said it before, and I don't know if it's ever made the air. We all walked out onto the porch of the Sheriff's Department in Hemphill County and said, what in the hell was that? None of us knew what we had just been through. We learned that day in that meeting, after we were denied allowing the backpack to be put in the hallway under full control of law enforcement, and let the dog just walk by and see if he hit, we were told that day that the photos were missing. And quite frankly, the response was what photos, what photos? The photos that I saw, the photos that investigator MJ Holden saw, the photos that Penny saw, it just, poof, disappeared. We don't know what you're talking about. Interestingly enough, Brent Clapp sat over there very quietly and didn't say anything. Thank God. Right then we kind of knew that something is up. I'm not saying law enforcement corruption, but something's up, something's not right. We're being lied to about evidence, we're being skewed in the public. Stories are being leaked to the Canadian record and this Lori, whatever her name is, is posting false stories about us and what's going on. It it was sick, it was sick what was going on. It was like, we're the enemy we're not the good guys trying to help where Tom Brown was. We had, to, we had to fight, scratch, and pull for every bit of information we could get. Nobody knew who to trust. Sheriff's Department was saying, don't trust these guys. And we were going, well, yeah, you can trust us. We don't know you people. We're not from here. We're, we're just trying to determine what's going on. Oh, he's nothing but a showboat. Actually leaking that to the media. And I've been through it before, so you know, I got a pretty tough skin. But when you use other government officials to do your dirty work, mm-mm. no, something more is going on. Equally is the Dollar General video that we again subsequently Was subsequently learned was destroyed by the sheriff himself admittedly no big deal yeah I got evidence I destroyed it Eh, I think that's a felony in the state of Texas I think tampering with government documents that's a felony in the state of Texas but again from the OAG all the way down they ignored it and they continue to ignore it today Destruction of evidence and a homicide? Unheard of. That's why I tell you, I have had so many phone calls from so many police chiefs and sheriffs around the state of Texas that watch that show that I've worked with before, who know me personally, from judges, constables. Unbelievable. It's all they would write. Unbelievable. What the hell is going on up there in Canadian Texas? That's not me. That's law enforcement. I got one right before I walked in this room. What the hell's wrong with the OAG? And we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's talk about the lie detector tests. there seems to be again, folks, excuse me. There seems to be a lot of conjecture about these lie detector tests. So let's talk about it. Who took the lie detector tests? Seems to be the big question. Number one, let's get that very clear here today. Penny Meek. Chris Meek, the sheriff and me. You see they don't, they, don't, they don't talk about my polygraph test, but they sure will talk about oh well Phil Klein planted that phone out there. Oh Phil Klein is manufacturing evidence. Oh Phil Klein is destroying evidence just to protect Penny and Chris or they'll sure, sure say that excuse me they will sure say that on the air a hundred times, put it in print, and put it in some kind of podcast. They'll talk about that all day long because they need a boogeyman. I am the boogeyman. They want to discredit me. Question, why? Well, let's go through the results of the test, shall we? Penny Meek. She passed two parts of her polygraph test. The third part, she failed. She really didn't fail it that bad, but it's an F. What was the F? It was about her phone. Now, remember that. It's about the phone. That's it, just about the phone. Nothing specific, just about the phone. Chris, he failed when they asked him the question, about do you know where tom's body is? I want you to remember that. We'll get right back to it. The sheriff, Nathan Lewis, he failed the in- entire test. He didn't pass he didn't pass the control control questions. Failed the whole entire test. But we we don't want to talk about that, right? We, 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 we want to back the blue. We don't want to talk about the sitting sheriff of a county when asked specific questions regarding the case and he fails the whole entire thing. Let us remind you, the sheriff destroyed evidence. The sheriff put in false and fake documents into the investigative file and he failed his polygraph test. Who, what, when, where, why, Sheriff? And he failed. And then they come to me. And I passed 100% of the test. Oh, Rachel doesn't want to talk about that, does she? Skip doesn't want to talk about that, does he? Discovery ID doesn't want to talk about that, do they? Because you got to have a boogeyman. Let's let's make everybody look over here while this is going on over here. Oh, that Klein—he's just—he's just grandstanding. He's just this. He's just that. And we all sit around in this room I'm in right now, in the war room, and we ask each other, "What the hell?" Now, let's talk about Penny's polygraph test. When Penny failed it, and I got the phone call from OAG, and they told me she failed. (coughs) I said, you know what? I, I have a hard time believing that. Told me Chris failed. I said, I have a hard time believing that. And then weeks later, I find out, well, they didn't really fail. They just had two little areas that they really spiked up on so i take the information i have and i take it to a good friend of mine who works at the nsa for those of you who do not know what nsa is that's the national security agency he lives in dallas texas dedicated patriot he's a spook he's the he's that guy he is that guy that works so far behind the scenes that you think he's farmer brown out at a ranch but he's really a spy and I ask him tell him my story I said if I send these two down to you would you put them on a polygraph test now this is the guy that polygraphs the CIA the secret service. he he's he's the guru he's the man he's the guy that makes it happen he said, absolutely, Philip, I'll do it for you. Okay. So I package Penny and Chris. And I send them to Dallas, Texas. Once they're in Dallas, Texas, <clears throat> they don't just put them on a polygraph test, they do a two hour interview with each of them. Guess what? Here's what we find out through a guy that is probably one of the most well-trained there is. We find out that Penny was secretly in the middle of the night getting out of her bed, going in the living room, sitting on the floor, and dialing Tom's phone number so she could hear her son's voice one last time. It has affected her psyche. There's no way she'll ever pass a polygraph test regarding Thomas's phone. No way, no how. That's what the government tells me. That's not me. Those are the specialists at the government. <clears throat> She passed every other part of the polygraph test, and even more. Chris, he's just fine. If that doesn't make you think, nothing does. Now, the OAG puts out a report picked up on by the folks over at Texas Monthly, picked over a discovery ID about Penny and this supposed phone code that Penny was called by, excuse me, Brent Clapp, wanting to know the phone code. Why does Penny want to know the phone code? This is a couple of years. This is after the phone's been found, et cetera, et cetera. <coughs> what happens? Well, there's a thing in the world called investigative bias. Myself, MJ Holmes, Carolyn Gear, there were a few other investigators attended a meeting in Pampa, Texas, with the district attorney's office. They brought us in this room, which the now famous sheriff carrying the recorder while he goes to the bathroom, we can hear him going to the bathroom and him saying a prayer about not Tom Brown's solace, but about his own solace, that he can save his job. Investigative biases is when you get investigators and they latch on to a theory and they quit investigating anything else. I think one of the greatest shows on television is called The First 48. I just happened to watch my first one less than six months ago. Atlanta homicide and how they solve cases and what they do to solve cases. And one of the things they all preach to each other is keep an open mind. Don't latch on to one theory and ride with it. Keep all theories open. Put percentages on things. That's why some of you out there that follow KIC Texas, notice what we do is we say things like, okay, we believe at about 50% that the child may be in this area. We believe 75% this is what happened. We always keep our door open. I slam my fist on this table during our meetings and say, do not let your mind stick on one thing. Keep your ears open. Caroline Gear in our office is very good about keeping an open mind. Yeah, but what if? Yeah, but what if? I believe... that the OAG has investigated bias because when we were over there in that meeting hearing that song and dance act that I still don't believe it was true to this day because T. Cole was raiding Hemphill County at the same moment at the same time uh, in, in, in executing search warrants at the Hemphill County Sheriff's Department. I believe that there was investigative bias in the Tom Brown case. What turned from a runaway to a week later when I got back to a queer running around and peeing in his diapers off in Los Angeles, where, quite frankly, folks, we lost about five weeks in this case because we believed the police department. We had people in North Carolina, and we had Tom's picture on every single laptop in the Los Angeles, San Bernardino, all the way down to San Diego area. We had his picture, we had his ID, we had everything. But guess what? We were being misled. It's a waste of five weeks. Why would any suspect? Now you've seen what the media, um, what the media has done, yes, <coughs> but you've seen what law enforcement have done. Rachel Kading is responsible for this by saying and closing her eyes and saying. Penny is covering up a suicide. Their theory is that Tom came home and was killed. They put Tom's body in the car and they drove it out to Lake Marvin Road and dumped the body. Because you don't like a civil investigator that's showing opposite of what you're showing? I don't know. But again, we'll discuss that a little bit more here in just a minute. I'll guarantee you, we've got the evidence that shows that Penny Brown was contacted to get the phone code. And that's why she made the call to Caleb King. Because law enforcement wanted it. She wanted to help. What, do you think somebody that's covering up a crime is going to say, oh, okay, and, and go get phone calls? What? That makes no sense. And ask yourself this. Why did the KIC team put Chance, the most decorated cadaver dog in the United States of America, on that property, all over that property? Why did we do that? We knew then that's what they were doing. We're not dumb people. We're college-educated people. We're hard-working investigators. We know. I tell you here, I tell you now, the phone call was made, and Penny was doing her due diligence on behalf of the sheriff's department. Now that we're talking about the, the phone, let's briefly talk about it. The phone was an iPhone. When we found that phone, remember? Oh, Klein planted the phone. Remember that? That was part of the play, folks. That's part of the cover-up. Look over here like we're doing over here. We package it, and we made sure it was sent directly to the FBI headquarters in Virginia. They got the phone. They undid it. They found a few things. Number one, the phone had never been turned off since the night it was t- turned on. Since the night it was turned off. They did a full forensics on the phone. Full forensic. Full forensics on the phone. They couldn't find anything. Package it up, wrote the report, showed what was on the phone, but there was nothing nefarious. Nothing bad happened. So the OIG gets it, gets this report. Well, that ain't good enough. So they send it to their friends over at Celebrite. Or I think it's Grey Key. Excuse me, Celebrite. It's Grey Key. I've talked to the folks over at Grey Key. They said, look, we really can't talk about it, but that really doesn't make sense. What they did was they sent it to Grey Key. And Grey Key all of a sudden comes up with this mysterious Well, it went into protective mode and there were two searches to suicide hotline. Now, I require my employees to carry uh, uh, Android phones. They're safer. People want our information. They want to try try to break into them. But our one or two people that we do have in the office that does have an Apple product, tell us and showed us that it's virtually impossible, it can happen if you're a cyber guy, to get into the iPhone and go to that mode. You really have to know what you're doing. Maybe Tom did. That's the first thing I said was, well, maybe Tom did. So we get onto the phone, or we didn't, my apologies. OAG gets on the phone, and they find these two mini searches. Mini searches. But he never called suicide hotline the night of his disappearance. I gotta tell you, I'm suspect over that. I asked if I could see it. I was told, no, you can't see it. Okay, can't see it. What did he ask? He just looked up the suicide hotline phone number. Now, folks, if I'm thinking of offing myself, and and I've investigated very many suicides, filicides, all the kind of sides you could think of. Why do I care if anybody finds out I looked up suicide hotline if I'm gonna off myself? Why? It makes no sense. It's more of this kabuki theater that we continue to get. I say to you here, and I say to you now, it's not that I do not believe the OAG. Again, Rachel Kading is probably one of the nicest, hardest working investigators I've been around in a very long time. Well, hell, we'd have conversations late into the night. Mike Smythe. I believe I'm pronouncing his name right, ex-homicide investigator out of the city of Austin. I like that guy. He's a no bullshit, excuse my language, kids. He's a no BS type of guy. He's got it going on. He's now a sergeant in the training center. We're all so proud of Mike. He represents our state very well. But the first day in the first hour in the first time we get this knowledge that the OAG is thinking about a suicide. Chris, did I? I'm sorry, I said Chris. I'm being corrected. Chris. I said, Mike, my apologies. Chris Smythe, the first time we are being told that, well, we're exploring suicide, how? Would he shoot himself and then drive his car back over to the to the and then walk through whatever to get underneath a tree and die? Well, no, we think Penny and them are covering it up. Why do you think they're covering it up? We think they're covering it up because Penny's embarrassed because of her family's suicide in the past. If if, if you don't raise a red flag there, folks, you don't need to be in the investigation business is what I tell my people. That's, That's the... They, everybody wants to talk about us going on duck hunts. That's not a duck hunt there. That's an elephant hunt. So when we look at Penny in the phone code, we just see it as a red herring. We got, we know Penny, the phone call was made to Penny. We know Penny made the calls, but in the OAG report, it says, well, we, we couldn't find any evidence. And my response back to them when they told me that was, did you look? Did you look? Did you look? Because you sure as hell aren't looking at the sheriff and the felonies that he is committing. And you sure as hell aren't looking at some of the witnesses and the felonies they've committed but you're going after the mother of the child that's missing? That's been found dead? Yeah, I know it's the investigator's credo. I'm there. Anytime we get into one of these, the first people you look at is the family. Folks, I got sued for accusing a family Of killing their child. Consequently, I was right. I won the lawsuit and I got $150,000. The question that kept spinning in our heads what else is going on here? Why are they doing this? Now let's talk about the grand jury. When I first announced <clears throat> that there was a consideration for an investigatorial grand jury, the first words out of most people in the media's mouth was, there is no such thing. And we kept laughing because and, and thinking, where do these numb nuts come from? Right? They don't know anything about a grand jury. The purpose of a grand jury, how grand juries can be used in investigations. I was very happy with Rachel when she told me that. We're gonna to go to a grand jury. We're gonna put everybody in front of grand jury and let everybody tell their story and let the chips fall where they may. And if you lie and you get caught lying on the stand, you're gonna be charged with felony aggravated perjury. I said, can I go first? I wanna go first. No, we'll save you for last. Okay. And COVID hit. Can't say anything about COVID. (laughs) Quite frankly, I'm just getting over it, I think. It's a horrible disease. And again, I hope all of you go out there and get a shot. I don't know that I'd be here today if I didn't get that shot. The investigatorial grand jury... was announced, confirmed by the OAG to the media. And then, of course, I, I don't know what to say about some of these people out there in in the media. Uh, there's a guy named Dub Duplet. W- what's Mr. Duplet's name? It's not Duplet. Dub. Dub Wagden. W- yeah, wa- Wagdon.
0: Wagner. Wagner, no, not Wagner,
1: Wa- Wagner, yeah, Wagoner, Doug Wagner uh, from up in <laughs> Oklahoma that writes some paper and gets this guy on there on the internet that they bring to me in the morning. Because remember, I don't have time to read all that crap. I really don't. If you want to write something about me, write it. It'll eventually get to me about two weeks later. But I don't have time to read all that. I'm, I'm busy. I got a life. I got grandchildren. I got all these things. And he comes out and allows these people onto some Facebook page. Again, Facebook is and Twitter are probably the two things that have doomed our country. And they put up there there's no such thing as an investigatory grand jury. And my staff comes running in my office and they're saying you're a liar. Then I'm like, "So, I mean, who who are these people? Well, we find out Dub or Dupe or whatever his name is is from San Antonio, Texas, and he's being hunted down for art theft. And then we find out that the other guy is a is a fake and false name, uh, Larry Cousins. And, and and then we start tracking. We find out, of course, it has an association to the old sheriff. So we we. We start wondering to ourselves, if these guys are going to go out on a limb and raise so much hell and try to dispel what the truth is, what's their motive? Who are they talking to? They don't like Philip Klein? Okay. Get on the internet and say, I don't like Philip Klein. But don't disparage the kid. Don't disparage the parents. Don't say, ooh, mystery, more to come. Don't do that. Don't do that. And then, of course, when my guys jump in, and I say spook them out a little bit, let's see what they say. My guys jump in on the internet, and they challenge them. The moderators fire, or not fire, it's um, block our guys from saying anything. And then you start wondering, what's their motivation? It is true the grand jury was stopped by the district attorney. The excuse we now get this last media dump by <clears throat> by uh, I guess Discovery Network NBC and uh, and uh, who was the other one? Oh, uh, uh, Skip Hollingsworth. Mm-hmm. Is that the grand jury stopped because well I believe I could get indictments but I don't think we could convict them. Huh? Now True. A grand jury can indict a kumquat. Folks, I've had the honor of testifying in front of a grand jury, and I've had the honor of serving on one. I know the grand jury system. I know how it works. I know when good lawyers get into a room and try to do good things, and they work hard on trying to get the right charging instruments so they don't have to go through it again. We get the OAG come out and say, ah, well, we're not gonna do a grand jury now because we feel we could get indictment, but we don't feel we can get a conviction. If we can't get a conviction, then it'd be double jeopardy and we're not gonna do that. What? After I was told for two years, I was told to go back to Southeast Texas, prepare my books, my boxes, my staff, my exterior staff from around the United States have them prepared to fly into, um, I can't really say where it was going to be, but uh, to the grand jury at X location and begin to testify on this date. Well, that date passes. This date. Oh, this date. And of course, it went on for a year and a half. Why did it go on for a year and a half? Of course, COVID. <clears throat> So what did we do? We called them out. After two years, I'd finally had enough. And I finally came out and I said, you know what? If I lived in Canadian Texas, Hemphill County, or if I lived anywhere in the Panhandle, and I knew a kid got hum- got, got killed, I would raise ten shades of hell. Ten shades of of hell wanting to know who, what, who, what, when, where, and why to this kid. And when I did that, that effectively, I'd say, ended our relationship with the attorney general's office, and we never had a relationship. I've only met the district attorney one time where he berated me in front of a bunch of people, um, I just ignored him, you know, I've had worse from higher up people than that that eventually put in jail why didn't they charge file file charges on nathan lewis they have the paper they have the witnesses they have the Cole report for tampering with government documents a felony why haven't they done that i i don't know I have to digress to you folks. That's why I told you folks to get out there and challenge the district attorney. What are you doing? Why haven't you done this? They want to play Philly, Philly Klein, the boogeyman. Fine, play Philly Klein, the boogeyman. Do it all day long. But that still doesn't negate why you, sir, and why You, Rachel, have not filed charges for those two felonies against a man that you know did it. And how does that affect the Tom Brown case again? Think about it. You're destroying evidence out of the investigatorial book that would have been presented to a grand jury. You destroyed video evidence. You put in fake and false addendums to reports on the Tom Brown missing case into the investigative investigatorial file? Is it just me? Maybe it's just me, folks. I can tell you in my 30-some-odd years of doing this, I have never seen it before without prosecution. Have we found this before is your question? yes yes and they've all been prosecuted and they all had to do t- jail time what's so special about the sheriff i want to conclude two things and then we're done are we doing Q and A?
0: we do have a few questions that um okay. i think then we'll we get should to address a afterwards
1: if you Thankfully. have a question, go ahead and start feeding it now. I want to talk about each of the people involved. Sheriff Lewis, I think, is a dishonest man that got into something that he couldn't get out of. Brent Klatt, I think, is one of the most honest lawmen. And you folks up there in Hemphill County should do a parade for that man. This case wouldn't be where it is now without that happening. I think Rachel Cading is a great investigator. I really think she is, but I think she's in a political place right now. I think she's being told what to do and what not to do, which is a shame. Chris Smythe, again, I can't say enough about Chris. He impressed me from hello. He had me at hello. I just knew. You just know. Your district attorney, I am very, very disappointed in. That's all I can say about that. I'm not mad at him. I don't don't have any feelings for him. Don't know him. Don't tend cows with him. But I can tell you, I'm very disappointed in him. There's one person that I haven't really talked about other than a couple times. Mike Smith, Texas Rangers. I know very many Texas Rangers and what I'm saying here is going to be very controversial folks because my license is under the Texas Department of Public Safety, Private Security Board. I'm a commissioned personal protection officer. I'm an investigator. Mike Smith is maybe one of the most unprofessional Texas Rangers I've ever met in my entire life. He's done nothing but hurt this case. Is Mike a good guy and a good family man? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Oh, yes, he is. But his his problem is he has an attitude. If Colonel McGraw watches this, which I anticipate he probably will, Mike probably needs to go on down to Austin for about six weeks and get a hotel room and go through some kind of training. I understand that I'm burning a bridge here with the Texas Rangers, some of them that I've interacted with and worked with and and working with on some other cases. It's nothing personal. What he said and what he did to my investigators was unconscionable. Unconscionable. Um. Why does it upset me a little bit right now? Because I know Mike can do better. I know Mike can be better. I know Mike is a Texas Ranger. You don't just get to be a Texas Ranger. you got to work your butt off to do that. I believe he did that. Some of his cohorts, who I know, have told me he was a great highway patrol guy. Something happens when you put that white hat on or that gold badge on your on your hip and Put that forty-five on your hip, and you wear those start, tight starch shirts, and you walk around like a chicken clucking. Woohoo! I'm a Texas Ranger. Check the ego at the door, Mike. You blew this case. You protected the blue when you shouldn't have protected the blue. I personally believe we could have solved this case in the first six weeks. But you had to sit there in that room and say he was a diaper-wearing queer that got on an 18-wheeler and went out to North Carolina or went out to California. And you had no evidence to show that. You misled our team, and our team is good. And we probably could have got it solved very quickly. Do you remember Mike me saying, uh-uh, Lake Marvin Road? Uh-uh, Lake Marvin Road. And again, as I said a hundred times, my entire crew that was in that meeting, we stood on the front of Hempel County Sheriff's Department and stared at each other. Said, what the hell was that? What's the cover up? What did Tom Brown know or do? Or maybe it was just a big wig in town. And small towns have a habit of covering things up. The sheriff got fired, Mike, because he falsified government records and he falsified investigatorial records in a homicide that tried to lead people in another direction. That's what happened, Mike. He wasn't a gay kid that wore diapers and peed in them, ran off to some other states. It's not what happened, Mike. So stop. You blew it. Why isn't anybody talking about Mike Smith? Why isn't anybody talking about the sheriff? Oh, but you'll talk about me riding in on a Suburban that I don't own saying, I'm going to solve the Tom Brown case. Never happened. Why? Why? Now, the last person I'm going to talk about before I talk about politics in this thing is chris samples chris made it clear to anybody wants to listen he doesn't like me and i i get that i'm i'm fine with that chris i get it i was pretty harsh to you i know you're the voice of of north texas and south oklahoma you've worked very hard for your radio station mike's one of those guys that gets up at three o'clock in the morning in the snow to check the cattle reports and get in there and get on the air and tell all the people that he's their lifeline. I get it. Chris is pro-law pro enforcement. Good for Chris. I'm pro-law enforcement, Chris. But from the get-go, you can't have investigatorial bias in this point you are a reporter bias by going after me saying, I just come up with these crazy ideas. Anybody who is in that auditorium in Canadian, Texas that listened to our presentation knows how we work. We come up with the timeline. We come up with the locations of all parties, and we mesh them together and it gives us a good picture of what happened. A 25 caliber shell casing just doesn't appear. Blood on the stem of a a T-bar on a Ford Durango just doesn't appear. These things just don't happen, but they did. It's called evidence. I'm very famous for letting the evidence take me where it goes. I've solved cold cases that are 17, 18 years old. Yep. 17, 18 years old by finding one thing that law enforcement or family or private investigators or whatever and solving the case, Chris, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm really not. I'm that guy in the middle. I listen from the people that are smart. I learn what not to do by the people that are dumb. And that makes me very, very dangerous. Chris, again, I was very rough on you in that meeting, and I shouldn't have been. I apologize. You have a job to do. I know you have a job to do. I respect your job. I deal with reporters from all over the United States. But Chris, I'm not the boogeyman. I'm just the guy trying to find out what happened. Can you imagine what's going to happen when I do find out what happens? Can you imagine? I'm going to disappear from all your lives. What are you going to do? Go back talking about cows? Go back talking about Mrs. Brown's honey farm? Gee, I hope so. Gee, I wish I lived in a world that way. I really did. And lastly, to... Skip Hollingsworth. I think Skip is maybe one of the most talented writers in the United States. I am very, very disappointed in how Chris introduced me to the public coming in in my big black suburban with a... What do you say? Skip. Skip. Not Chris. I'm sorry, Skip. Uh, But coming in with a big black suburban with a...
0: Stating you were going to solve the Tom I'm Brown solve case. I'm the Tom
1: Brown case. I'm the hero. Skip, I'm not that guy. You know me. We broke bread together. We spent time together. I actually said I'd never talk to you again, and I let myself down a little bit by letting me talk to you again before the town hall meeting, and I shouldn't have done it. I knew it was wrong. What you said to the public is a lie. It's a misrepresentation on who I am and who my team is. I guess if that's how you have to sell papers, sell them. Now, lastly, (coughs) one of the things you'll find out about me is that I'm not a liar. I don't lie. I don't mislead. I don't not tell the truth. There's a Texas Attorney General's race coming up. Our Attorney General, Ken Paxton, is up for re-election. I have received phone calls from people that are close to the Bush folks. Louie Gomer, who I met, I can't tell you how many times, former Congressman, East Texas. Wonderful man, love the man, think he's a great man. And Eva Guzman, who was on the Supreme Court of Texas, I don't know Eva, I went to her swearing in, I think, once. Um, Didn't get to meet her, but that's okay. My message today to my fellow Texans is this. You have a four-way choice coming up here in March, folks. I don't know why Ken Paxton, who I know, I met, gone to a fundraiser or two, sat in the audience, listened to him speak. I don't know why he would sign a document like he signed in the Tom Brown case, full of misspellings. They couldn't even spell my name right. Why he allow that document to go out, I will never, ever, 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 ever understand. Ever. It's unprofessional. It's sickening. Not because my name's spelled wrong. Because the information in there was wrong. You have a choice, Texas. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. I know I'm being contacted by a lot of candidates, but I am going to ask you to listen to each of their pitches. Ask them about the Tom Brown case. I know Chris and Penny Meek will be getting contacted, if they haven't already, by some of these candidates. The Tom Brown case just went political, folks. If the office of the attorney general can't get it done, then maybe it's time for a new attorney general to get it done. Clean house. Put a whole new set of eyes in there. I don't know I can't make that call. Only the citizens of Texas can. I'm asking you to think about it. Read up on them. You may love Ken Paxton. I I, I personally... Don't know the man, other than by occasion. Hello, nice to see you. Good to see you again. Okay, have a nice day. I'm sure he doesn't. I'm sure you can put me out in a room with 15 agents around him. I want all of you to please think about politics this March. If you're a Republican and you're in the Republican primary, it might be time for a change. Might not be. I don't know. I've been in politics a very long time. I've worked on national politics. I've flown this country with some very high-level people. I put my left hand on the Bible and raised my right hand and swore to take a bullet for some of them. What I'm trying to say is, think about it. You, You want change? Maybe it's time for change. I appreciate everyone listening today to these anomalies. There's a whole bunch more, but we could go all day with it. We'll see what happens. I'm sure that I'm in the doghouse all the way from Austin to Dallas to Houston to everywhere else. And to my fellow members of the investigatorial world, don't ever give up. Don't ever. And challenge. Don't, don't worry just because they have a badge and a gun on their hip. They're just like you and me. They wake up and put our boots on the same way every day. And they have the same goals that we have, which is solve crime. So.
0: Ready. So question number one, why was blunt force trauma not mentioned?
1: It's a great question. When we found out about it, which we found out, we we kept our mouths shut for a long time, didn't we? We did, we, we didn't, we, we didn't want the public to know that we knew how he died.
0: I mean, pretty, I, two years, I mean, we didn't say <laughs> we kept word.
1: quiet for two years. I didn't even discuss it with the people at the OAG. Um, why weren't we to all told about it? I don't know. There's a good question that indicates homicide to me. It can indicate murder, but the short answer is that's a question for the OAG. Now, they'll love to tell you, oh, well, the, the head was dragged out by the pigs and the pigs stomped on the head. and uh, nah. No, not from what I read. Nope, not from what I read and not what the JP read to us. No, nope. Next question.
0: Why do you believe that he was shot in the car, but Jones said he was alive the next day, tied up mm. with Pine Gregory? and
1: That is an anomaly. I. I that is for our, our interrogators, Caroline and MJ Holmes, to work through. Um, I think there was confusion there. Um, what I think happened was, I think Tom was shot in the car. Um, I think his body was moved to the back seat. I believe there was blood on the backpack. That's why they got rid of the black backpack, by the way. You're asking yourself, why was the backpack thrown out the window? Uh, you gotta go with the rules of right, okay? Uh, they went out to Lake Marvin, put his. Body underneath the tree, turned around, came back out like Marvin, saw the backpack, saw the blood, pulled in, got the backpack, threw it over the fence, and then went on down the road. Um, I think that uh, they got scared, which indicates to me it's young kids. Doesn't mean it. I don't think it's a seasoned serial killer. That's for damn sure. Uh, I think Tom was probably still breathing at some rate uh, when they got him out to. like Mormon or he was breathing somewhere between the point of impact and getting him out there. I believe he was probably still breathing probably died in route. Um, but it's very interesting. I go again. Why didn't the sheriff and Ranger Smith allow us to put the dog on the backpack? I'll tell you why. Cause it's my belief. They knew we knew what we were going to find.
0: Okay. On Murder Under Friday Night Lights that just aired, um, the friend of Thomas Brown, that was the football player, um, said that the coach didn't trust Tom and, quote, trusted the other guy, which we know was Chris Jones. Um, That wasn't publicly stated who the other guy was, but we know that. Um, Can you, what do you think that was meant by that? Why was the word trust used?
1: I think that um, he couldn't trust Tom because Tom quit the team. I think that he couldn't trust. Um, I'm not saying Katie knew anything was going on. I really, I don't know. I, I don't know why he lied to us about Chris being in his house the night of the, 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 the missing. He, he told us that he was upstairs sleeping, but we had another witness that told us, no, he wasn't. He was out all night. Um, I just, I just think that when a football player leaves your football team, you can't trust him. You walk out under bad circumstances because you want to try somebody else. You know that, that that's uh, that's a concern for a football coach. That's my belief.
0: Okay, the Dollar General video. A lot of people weren't aware of that or didn't know um, about that. And so, what um, what do you say? to that. I mean, say that again, it, the dollar general video, can you explain a little bit more about that? Cause there were some people that weren't even aware of the dollar general video. Um, and then how Nathan discarded it and threw it away per, um, well, I'll just refresh your memory per, uh, the, a lady that works there that right, um, gave right, us a right. tip. We know so, that.
1: So here's what happened. The, the police, uh, the, um, uh, we didn't know about the dollar general video for uh, for a little bit. When we found out about the Dollar General video, we went over to Dollar General and we took we interviewed the, the the manager. she said that Nathan had come in there was information on the Dollar General video he took it he downloaded but when he did it was when he did it he sucked it out of the machine so as that it either had to be rebuilt or it had to be redone so the question to us as investigators are why Why do you do it that way? Well, by the time we were able to get to the Dollar General and examine the hard drive, it had been erased. So why erase it? Why get it and say, oh, well, it's just nothing, and then chop it up and make it go away? We don't know. It is one of the mysteries of this case. Now, why isn't anybody talking about it? Who did it? The sheriff did it they don't want to talk about the sheriff they don't want to talk about destruction of evidence they don't want to talk about changing things in the file and they don't want to talk about anything that has to do with the sheriff violating three felonies three felonies and failing a polygraph test for nobody wants to talk about that oh you're just anti law enforcement Klein. no I'm not I'm pro law enforcement. Ask them; they'll tell you. I, I just—it's mind-boggling for me. And then for the OAG to say, "Well, we don't think we could get a conviction." What? What? I would think if if I was a lawyer for the sheriff, I'd be playing. Let's make a deal, time with the with these guys. But no, nah, they're not doing it.
0: All right, next question. Do you know where Lewis is and is he still in law enforcement?
1: Sheriff Lewis is not in law enforcement. I do not keep up with him. I understand. The last thing I understand is is that he had a uh, uh, a construction business, I think, or a remodeling business, and I think he was thriving in it and he was working hard trying to make a
0: living. All right. Um, Do they not want the truth? And they, I guess, general just in general canadian texas the residents the law enforcement the everybody on the case
1: i i i i look in the camera and i look at all of y'all out there i don't know how many of you are i guess thousands i, I don't know i don't know I, I don't know i real. i don't know I, I don't know why these people in austin are shutting down I, I always tell people when it start shutting down like this, there's a puppet master out there doing the puppets. My guess is there's a puppet master out there managing this thing. Don't know who, but it tells me that it might grow to something bigger. Now, when we suggested the Chris Jones situation, and we played it for you in Canadian, and we played you his words, not ours, his words, we didn't make it up. We just listened. Everybody said, Oh, they're just making that up. They're just trying to, you know, make something that's just not there. No, no, we're we're playing for you. What's there? We're not making it up. That's what he said. Are we investigating it? Absolutely. Are we done yet? No.
0: We're still working. All right. Um the, this was this question's based around the theory of suicide. I mean, were there any weapons found? Was there any rope? Was there anything that was found remotely in the area of where his body was? Found? And this
1: is what kills me, because n- nobody in the media has asked this question. We didn't find a gun. We didn't find a rope. We didn't find a board. We didn't find a rock. We didn't find a uh, broken branch. We didn't find we didn't find anything. There, there's there's nothing there's no signs of suicide. Speaking of signs of suicide, let's talk about that for five seconds.
0: That goes with my next question. Go I don't on. know what you're going to say, but this may come into play with what you're about to say. Um, couldn't he have looked up the suicide hotline for anyone or vice versa? Couldn't have anyone had his phone at that time, um, Who, either somebody he was with or wherever they were at that 9:11 p.m. at night? Whoever
1: just asked that question wins the gold star of the day.
0: You're thinking like us.
1: Just because it's on this phone, does that mean that he looked it up? Maybe one of his friends looked it up. Maybe it wasn't looked up at all. We don't know. Quite
0: frankly, be honest with you,
1: I don't think it's there because they wouldn't show it to me.
0: Does Lewis have a connection to the OAG office?
1: No, he does not.
0: Why, if the family did it, would they hire you and pay you for over the period of five years? Gee,
1: there's a funny question. Let's repeat that. Why would these people hire our team who they know is a pit bull bull team that latch onto cases like dogs on a bone and won't let go until we're satisfied? Why would they do that, folks? Why would they? Why would they spend that kind of money? Why would they do that?
0: Why? You know the answer because they're innocent. Uh, why has Caleb been so quiet throughout all of this? And don't you think his dad, being a state rep and so high up in politics, could make things disappear?
1: No, I don't. <laughs> I've met with Caleb's dad, state representative. Uh, from up in that area, I think he's a fine man. I think Caleb's a fine boy. I see nothing in the case of Caleb's involved, other than he was a, one of the last people to see him again. Do I want to follow up with some questions? Yeah, and I'll get there. But uh, his dad, I, I think, is maybe one of the finest lawmen—not lawmen, but you know, elected officials politician. Politicians up there. I'm telling you what, I missed him. He. He, he's a good man. Y'all need to remember that.
0: All right. Why did they release the autopsy of the skull, but no picture, the skull, excuse me, not school, the skull of, um, Thomas, but no pictures with it. And also do you have any, um, I guess plans to do a open records request for the full autopsy? Okay.
1: So there was no full autopsy been able to been done. This is the heartbreaking point that came out, by the way, uh, when I sent Penny down to go get her polygraph test. She's actually horrified that her son is sitting in paper bags at the OAG's main evidence lockup, and they can't put their child to, to rest. me let me say that again so you sinks into some of you folks out there she's horrified her child is sitting in paper bags in the OIG lockup in Austin Texas and they're not able to put her son to rest I don't know what to tell y'all about that I have never gone through that and if I ever have to go through it I'll guarantee I'll be sitting on the front step of the OIG every night, even if I had to bundle up in a little blanket until my son or daughter or grandchild is is put into the ground. It's sick. There was no autopsy.
0: Do you think you know who killed him?
1: I have a good idea. I have a good idea, but I'm keeping my mind open because you never know. You go around the next corner and, oh, what's that? Always keep your mind open. That's what I'm doing.
0: Um, Michael Castletine's driver's license was found in the car. And then two weeks after uh, Thomas's body was found, his father, as we all know, committed suicide. Um, Do you think there's any correlation to the driver's license in the car and the suicide to Thomas's disappearance?
1: We are exploring that at this time. Uh, Since it's in flux, I'd probably prefer not to talk
0: about it. Um. Someone stated that Lewis resigned and was not fired. Can we clarify that yes, although he did resign, he was forced to resign, which is basically him being fired?
1: Okay. Tomato, tomato, Uh, (laughs) green tomato, red tomato, however you want to say it. Fine with me.
0: Okay. And then another thing that has come up um, is the video footage um, that... I guess it's been on different, um, you know, the video footage of the sheriff's, uh, office. Yes. Um, I mean, people from the sheriff's office, the sheriff's office, cars, sheriff deputy cars, um, in different various places throughout the night. Um, can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. I, 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 I that's one of the
1: anomalies with the OAG. Why haven't they released the video of the sheriff's car and, Pine Gregory's car behind Saul Abraham's place at three thirty in the morning. Oh, I was asleep in my bed. Oh wait, now we got fifth anomaly.
0: And so just to clarify on some of the comments I've read regarding that, um, yes, there are throughout all hours of the night, we do see various law enforcement agencies on the road and simultaneously with that, um, you know, the, the, I guess, conjecture or uh, the fact that, quote, Thomas's car has been found. There is also another person in Canadian that has the same exact car. So can you distinguish the difference between the painting and the non-painting of the cars that we're seeing on camera?
1: (coughs) So there is video of another Dodge Durango red in color going through the city. That car does not have any markings on it. The car we're watching is the car that has the markings on it with Tom's number on it that they painted on his windshield, they painted on his back, all around the car. So that's been the confusion there. One car was painted, one car was not. The car that was painted is the car that we're interested in.
0: Um, Okay, when the FBI or whoever powered up the phone, which uh, after the phone was found, um, and when they were investigating it, wouldn't it have showed that the text messages would have come through at that point. And this is in reference reference to the OAGs report that they released, um, stating about the messages and, and for instance, I think it was stated on murder under Friday night lights that, um, Penny had sent a text message or there was a connected phone call at 1123. Um, and that, that, so basically trying to say that Penny did either speak to him or he read that text from Penny, um, and then, read a text Okay, so at 11.23 right.
1: at night. Remember, folks, when did Tom fill his car up with gas? Caroline? Uh,
0: 11, I think it was 11.19 or 11.20, 11 11.19, 11 I believe, was the transaction.
1: Exactly. What would that have shown if we had the Dollar General video?
0: Uh, who drove by at the same at time. At that
1: time, mm-hmm. A. B, what else would it have shown? It would have shown Tom texting on his cell phone. Correct. Again, there you are. But we don't have that evidence because the sheriff decided it wasn't important. He decided to tear it up and make it go away. We don't have that evidence. And of course, mysteriously, the pictures of Tom pumping gas mysteriously disappear. It's not us, folks. It's not us. We're the town criers.
0: Okay, I'm going through just to check a couple more and see if we have any different questions. We've already addressed a lot of this. Some of this we're not going to address. It's in details that you can find from the report that we, or from the uh, town hall meeting that we released. Um, So you can go check those videos. Um, However, I guess, okay. Lastly, um, and last question, I think we're going to leave everybody with today or answer to this question is, where does the case stand with having the Department of Justice take over?
1: (laughs) Great. Thank you. I was fixing to lead into that. Um, I have written a letter to the United States Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., Special Operations uh, Division, Civil Rights Um, As you know, there's a huge changeover going on up there with the Biden administration from the Trump administration. As you know, COVID, everybody's working from home because they're scared of their own shadows. Um, We are ferreting through a very, very, very big mound of paperwork. Uh, I have been, uh, I have employed uh, a couple of, uh, a senator here, and I'm not employed. I have contacted my contacts in the Senator's office here at Senator Cruz's office. I have contacted uh, my um, uh, representatives uh, in my area, um, and we are working through the Department of Justice at this point in time. I will be asking for Senator King's help uh, from the state level, uh, Speaker Phelan, uh, these folks that I know pretty well up in Austin, and we will be uh, putting the package together. I would anticipate it's not going to go fast, but I would anticipate that we are getting somewhere at this point. So, where it stays to, so the question is, where's Tom's case today? Well, we're continuing to do our thing. We have shut down with uh, the OAG. We have, I mean, they have nothing to say to us, we got nothing to say to them. I mean, it's not that we don't like them, and it's not personal. It's that we just don't have anything to say. Um, Texas Rangers are not involved. So pretty much the entire state of Texas is not involved, uh, other than the OAG. And, you know, that's another thing about the damn OAG. You know, they want to sit there, and they want to get up there and say, oh, we're going to do this big press release nice before Klein does his presentation. And they do this big presentation. can't spell, can't do this, can't. Announcing a new special division of the OAG Cold Case Division. Yay! And we're like, yay! Uh, We haven't heard from them. The Meeks haven't heard from them. Nobody's heard from them. And now we're how
0: many months? Four months
1: in? Four months in.
0: Basically. Four months! Maybe even longer.
1: Yeah, I guess it is cold. I guess it is a cold case, huh? So that's why I made the decision to go to the federal government. I'll see what they'll do. Uh, my guess is, and the, the re- response I got back from uh, the FBI division in Austin, Texas, was they are interested in the case. Uh, they too uh, uh, have some ex-FBI agents that I know very close that are private investigators now, matter of fact. And um, they did a case review on my case. Um, and uh, they say we're barking up the right tree. So I I, I have to think we're in the right direction as far as we are here. Governments, your your government is stuck. They're not doing anything. Maybe making a few phone calls. Uh, Brent Clapp and Hemphill County, they can't. They just can't do anything. Uh, it's not because they can't. It's just because they they just can't politically wise. The DA is not doing anything. Maybe he out tendering his cows. And um, who else? What other agency? And I, I, who know? Who the hell knows what Mike Smith's doing? Probably cursing me right now, saying he's going to get me. So uh, we'll see, folks. We'll see what happens. But yes, we are gone to the FBI. Um, you not the FBI. My bad. We have gone to the Department of Justice. Uh, We are putting a package together for them. We do have what they need um, and timelines and recordings and witness recordings. Uh, uh, You know, (laughs) the funny thing about this stupid place is we've we've put over 1,300 investigatorial hours into this. 1,300. And that's base. That's not staff. That's not specialists. That's not testing. That's not photography. That's not, I mean, you start adding that up, we're well over 2,500 hours of investigatorial time in this. So for the OAG to tell us, you know, hmm, uh, you, you guys sure don't know what you're talking about. Let me remind them, we're the longest agency in this case. Think about that. Nobody has as much time in this case as we do.
0: Amen.
1: Think about that. And I'm tired of holding Penny in my arms and saying, I'm so sorry, Penny, what they're doing to you. Are they back in the blue, is your question? I know that's in the back of your minds, folks. Are they back in the blue? Yeah, probably. But even the blue's getting tired of it. It'll break loose.
0: You watch, it'll happen. Well, if you've made it for the full two hours, we, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate all the questions. Hey, we even appreciate the haters that uh, have been hating um, and for all the ones that. And, and you
1: know what, to you haters out there, we want you to continue to hate us. We, we, we begging for you to continue to hate us. Really? We are. <clears throat> we really want you to, you want to know why? Cause it keeps us on our toes and every once in a while, something dribbles out of your mouth that makes sense think about that anyway thank you very much greetings from needle in texas
0: until next time